I promised you that I would get us into slavery, into bondage there. And fortunately, there's not a whole lot, even though it's 215 years, there's not a lot of scriptures that covered that. So I've been able to take some liberties in getting up to this point. But uh, uh, one way or the other, I'm going to get us into slavery. And next week, Roy is going to get us out of slavery. So that's... That's, that's, that's all good. So, so we're in this period right here, the bondage in Egypt, even though I haven't really gotten there, but, but, but I'll, I'll get us there. I'll get us there and out of there probably in about three minutes once we finally get there. But we're going to get there. So, uh, so last week I kind of cracked the seal on Abram, and I've given you this map. I had to kind of like put a piece, some pieces of it together. There are actually copies out there. Uh, hopefully it's kind of Bible size, so if you had that. But it... it it really shows kind of the whole area, and I've even labeled all of these tribes, groups, or whatever, by their sons of, of, of Noah and how they kind of connect. And then under Shem, there's a couple of, there are three different groups that I put specifically on there. And I think I actually didn't cover all of the, the, the places that were on here. There were a few extras here. So Keter, that's actually a son of Ishmael. And Ishmael, who is Abram's firstborn son through Hagar. So there, we have an Ishmaelite here. I, I, told, I mentioned about Lot's two sons, Ammon and Moab. And we know about Edom, Jacob's Edom from Esau, Jacob's brother Esau. And then he had another group up here in the north, the Horites, which will come into play in a little bit. We'll cover, cover them. It's amazing how so many of these people overlap. And you see, and I, I hope that, when you're reading King first, uh, first and Second Kings and Chronicles, when you see these re- relationships to these these tribes, that that something like this may be helpful to you. So I do have one question mark on here because I don't really know. I nobody would. No, I, I couldn't get any convincing language of this group called the Cassites that are right here. I think, I think those are Hamians, Hamites. I think that this they might be related to these Cushites there. Because Cush had a son named Nimrod, if you recall. And Nimrod had, he, he made his kingdom in Babylon and Nineveh there. And I think that that, that name is kind of a, a derivation of a Cushite. So, but uh, anyway, so that's, that's a little freebie there for you. Uh, and I think the rest of them we've all, all pretty well covered. But anyway, you've got now a copy of that you can stick in your Bible. And hopefully that will be helpful to you. And then we spend a lot of time right here in Haran, Haran, maybe it's Haran, Haran there. So we know this little, this little red trail right here is Abram, he left Ur, the Ur of the Chaldees, and he went all the way up here and he spent some time there. And that's where he uh, set out on his journeys. And we're going to cover a little bit about that, but uh, uh, shortly, if my thing holds here. So let's look again. Let's try to review our timeline again. And I hope that if, if at the end you at least kind of have this uh, in, in your mind. So if we wanted to kind of pick a date, an approximate date for the beginning of time and the birth and the creation of Adam, what timeline would we say? 4,000. 4,000 BC. Well, so, so we'll call it that. And we know that that Adam lived about lived 930 years, and then we're kind of transition to the next kind of the key person that le- at least we want to cover that, and who would that be, and what's that time frame? So about 3,000 would be about who? Noah. Okay. 
So Noah, then we're, then we're, now we're going to ratchet about 500 years at a time here uh, as, as we move forward in here. So 500 years after Noah's birth, we had what? Go ahead, you, you can say it out loud, it's all right. So the flood, so the, tw- the flood's going to be about 2,500 or so, and then shortly thereafter we have the, the Tower of Babylon, the Tower of Babel, and that's when we have the dispersion, that's where we end up with a lot of the pieces of that map that we just looked at here. Okay, so then another 500 years, so we, if we call the flood about 2,500, 2,350, 2,500, and you, again, the dates aren't, aren't, aren't exact there. So if we rolled another 500 years and then we get to our, our, our next key character that we want to talk about, and, and who would that be and what's that timeline? So that's, that's Abraham, or Abram, at, at 2,000. Okay, so we're going to work from 2,000 to about 1,500, and we're going to cover all of that today, and then we're going to turn it over to Roy. That's, that's, the, that's the attack plan. But if you, roll, if you just wanted to roll another 500 years after the, after the Exodus, you'll end up at 1,000 B.C., and who's, who's our, our primary character at 1,000 B.C.? David. Okay, so there you go. So that, that, if, if, if you come out of, the, out of this class learning that, I hope that that will help as you look at the rest of, that, uh, the rest of your Bible studies and you'll pick it all up all like that. So, so we, we know that the Bible focuses on really one area through this time frame, but there's other things going on in the planet, right? So, uh, so let's, let's take a quick look at what's happening in the rest of the Middle East here anyway. Okay, so this group right here are the Hittites. And if you looked at your handy-dandy map I gave you, that would have been Heth, that, that group right there. Now, the Hittites, were, uh, they were a very aggressive and very expanding group, all right? but, but, but they didn't always want to expand and stay. So they would do these raiding parties, and then when they, they would go, and then, then they would kind of come back to their home base. But there's a lot of conflict going on right here. So this map says 14, 14th century, so I think that means it's the 1300s. Or, uh, BC wise, but they didn't just pop up overnight. So this was happening really about the same time concurrent when we're talking about the Exodus and whatnot. So we can kind of see that this is building up from here. So we have the Hittite group here. We have this group here called the Mitanni. Nobody wants to tell me exactly who they are. I, I have some ideas. I believe that the Horites that we looked at before are, are this group right here that, that, that moved down in here. Now here, we have the Assyrian group, so we understand that. That's through, through the sun, Ashur, A-S-S-H-U-R, that group. Uh, and then we have here the Kassites. And we, I made some references to the Kassites. The Kassites moved into here. They actually ruled this area, including Babylon, for about 500 years, or roughly twice as long as America has been a country. So it's, they, they were there quite a while, and they actually took over this area without a fight. And what they did was, see, that I, I, I mentioned how the Hittites, they, they actually raided through this, the entire area, basically killed everyone, went all the way down to Babylon, killed them, and they said, you know what, we don't, we're going to go back to our home camp. And so they left, and so they created this power void right there. So the Kassites were these hill people, you can kind of see the, the topography right there. They moved right in, they were a military group, and they actually ruled very well, were very favorable to the people. The people really liked them, and they, they actually ruled that area from about 1600 to about 1100 right there. And really, they set up so there was a lot of infrastructure set up there that made Babylon 
the Nebuchadnezzar Babylon that you know. Uh, they, the, the infrastructure was there for him to basically come in and, and, and move in and run straight from that. So anyway, it's very, very interesting. So, but I did come across a really neat thing as I was looking at the Kassites and Ur. And so Ur would have been where the Sumerians were originally. Remember, we, if, you, if you recall back when we were looking at the flood, the story of Gilgamesh was a Sumerian story. So, uh, and, and they wrote on these things called cuneiforms. So here's an example of what that would look like. So this is all stone, and, and there's, there's four sides to this thing, and they would kind of carved it. I don't know if they wrote right to left, up to top to bottom, or, or exactly how. But that's a cuneiform. And this one, cleverly enough, is called the Sumerian King List. And so they, the Sumerians documented their history all the way back to the beginning, to what they saw as the beginning, including lists of kings from that, that time frame. And I don't know how your Sumerian is. Mine's not very good, but Google had it. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to give you some of that... Uh, some of the translation of that, and it, it's fascinating to me. So, so here's a, here is a, the King, Sumerian king's list, a translation. Okay, so after the kingship descended from heaven, so it says that's where it started. The first king, kingship was in, in Eridug, that's the city that it's described. Alulam became the king, and he ruled for 28,800 years. That's a long time. And then the next guy comes in. And he ruled for 36,000 years. So those two kings together ruled for 64,800 years, according to this. And then the next king ruled for 43,000. There's a 28,000, another 36,000. They came in, you rolled all up. But eight, so you rolled out eight kings right here. So eight generations, and that's 241,000 years. That's what the Sumerians believed there. But I want you to notice something right here. Then the flood swept over. So there are eight kings. They, lived, they ruled for a long time. I don't believe it was 241,000 years. But, you know, there's a tendency to think, well, if they ruled for a long time, then they were more powerful. So perhaps that these longer t time periods were more of a, a giving homage to a, a, a time frame. Or, so... The, so there are eight generations of long-lived kings prior to the flood. Where have you heard that before? How many generations were there between Adam and Noah? Ten in total, so there's eight in between. I think they got something going on here. There are, a number, there are, uh, there are actually other kings lists that are out there, multiple copies of this that, they, that, they, that they've discovered and found that it, some of them have ten generations. All of them tend to have these really long. And then guess what? After the flood, our time frame starts shrinking, just like we know they did. And I, I could have given you a whole other page of that, but it would just driven you crazy. But so anyway, so they continue to, continue to shrink. So multiple copies of this all have long-lived king generations prior to a flood event. And then after the flood, they all tended to, to slow down. Anyway, I just uh, I came across that and I just I, ha I had to share that with you. So one, one more thing I want to get before we get too far from this map here. So let's talk a little bit about Egypt. I, I promised that I would cover that once before. Try to figure out how do, how do these the timeline of the pyramids fit with what we know the date-wise for the flood. And, and how do we get, because if you ask an Egyptologist, they will tell you that the Egyptian culture is some 5,000 you know, 5, years B.C. And they'll cover that. And that, that the pyramids were built in about in 3,000, which as we know, was prior to the flood. 
but there's no flood evidence that it was above that. So, so there's some discrepancies here. So how did they get, how did the Egyptologists get these dates? Any ideas there? Uh, they didn't just pull them from the air. So, all right. So there, if you were to, were to describe, there, there, there are multiple kingdoms within Egypt. So you have the lower kingdom, the middle kingdom, and the upper kingdom. Now, again, they're not thinking north to south because they don't think north to south. They think topographically. So the lower kingdom would be closest, closest to sea level. All right. So let's fast forward ahead. 332, Alexander's just died. All right. Alexander conquered this entire area right here. This is actually a different color. It doesn't show up very well right here. In fact, there's Alexander's city, Alexandria. All right. So he had conquered this entire area. And he turned over his kingdom to his generals. All right, there were four generals. Two of them, uh, you know, you never hear from. There's, there's a name on there. I, I never heard of them. But, but we do hear a lot about the Ptolemies here. In fact, the Egyptians track the Ptolemaic kingdom uh, in their history. And then they have the Seleucids, which are, that's a huge area. In fact, they, there's a lot of conflict right here that we actually see covered biblically here between the Seleucids and the Ptolemies because even though they were generals, they weren't very good friends, you know, throughout, throughout this time. So Ptolemy said that, hey, let's, uh, uh, let's go back and look at some history here. So I'm the ruler of this kingdom, so let's go back and look at history. So he commissioned this guy in Manthos or something, if you can Google that and find that yourself. But... Uh, he said, let's go back and let's kind of get some history here. And so he went and researched. And the Egyptians actually kept pretty decent records on their papyrus, right? And so they said, okay, here's, here's, the, here's the, the lower kingdom and here's the list of the pharaohs here and how long they ruled. And he provided that information. And then he said, let's look at the middle kingdom and let's list all the pharaohs there and how long, did, how long did they rule. And then let's look at the lower kingdom and let's put all of those dates right in right there. So some smart guy well after this time frame, comes across the, these records. And then what does he do? He stacks them all linearly. Okay, so he said, okay, well, this one was before this one, not realizing that there's significant overlap in those dates. So the Egyptian timelines are now off for 1,000 years or more. So whenever there's a conflict, you know, if there's ever a date conflict between an expert and the Bible... The scientific expert says dismisses the Bible and goes with that, even though that had nothing to do with why Ptolemy commissioned that study in the first place. But uh, that, that's what he used. So the Ptolemies did another interesting thing. They commissioned the Septuagint. You know what that is? Good. Carrie, tell us. That's exactly right. So, so uh, Ptolemy was a, was a Greek, and he, the, so where does the 70 come from? The Septuagint means 70. So there were 12 tribes that we all know, and so they basically brought in six people from each tribe, and they said, so that's 72, so I guess they kind of round thing in Roman numerals or something. X, VXX, I guess is what it is. No, not V. LXX, that's the Septuagint. So, so they, and they, 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 they got together and they, they came up with what this, this, trans, this uh, Greek, 
Greek translation of the Old Testament because there were a lot of Greeks living in the area and Ptolemy wanted to basically uh, keep them happy and keep them Greek as well. So rather than allow him to, to encourage him to speak Hebrew, let's use what they're already using, teach him, teach him Greek. Again, I want him, I want him to be Greek. So, so they, had a, they had a problem here. So they've got these dates that are, that are much older in history, and then they've got dates that they read in the Bible, read in their, in their Torah. And so there are actually some dates in the Torah that actually lean towards the Greek translation. And, and, and we, so we have different timelines on there. And again, this is one of the three kind of predominant timelines out there that's been driving me crazy over the last four, eight weeks or so. Anyway, so I'll, I'll, I'll share that with you. Um, the Egyptian had another little habit. Okay, so new dynasty comes in new Egyptian dynasty. They come in and they, uh, they, want, they want to remove all records of the old guy, the previous dynasty. And so we know that there have been statues that have been recarved. So, so if you're Ramses, you come in and you're the new guy coming to town and then whoever the old guy was, you go in there and says, you know what, I think I can recarve that face, put my face on it, take his face off, and they will completely erase them in a 1984 George Orwellian kind of way, erase the history of that. So, so now, we're supposed to trust this timeline that we know they have a proclivity to erase history and to change history. But we're supposed to trust that timeline over what uh, this very detailed record, very specific record of the Bible. And uh, I, I think we, have no, we, we, we need to have no apologies uh, on, on, on any of that. So, Okay. We're good there? How's our history? Good? Okay. All right, so I, I, I had to get to Abraham, and I, I, I saw this little graphic, and I thought, well, that's actually a good way to describe it, because I have to tell you, Laban was very confusing to me, because he keeps popping up all through Genesis. All right, and I, I couldn't, I, you know, I'd, I'd read about him, and then, uh, and then he would come back again. So uh, I'll, I'll help you with that. So here's Terah. Here's Abram's father, and Abram had a brother, Haran, as in the place Haran, right? And Haran's son was Lot. Haran died, and so Lot, we know a lot about Lot, and I won't rehash a lot of that story. So here's Sarah, and there is Hagar. So this, this actually only covers two of, of Abram's wife. He had, he had one more wife that'll come into play in a little bit, next week when Roy's doing it. So he had another wife who had a son, Midian. So the Midianites that you all probably know pretty well or you certainly will, uh, was, a, was also a son of Abram. So Abram and Hagar, the Ishmaelites, and, and I gave you one, uh, Kedar, all right, and the, the Muslims traced their lineage back to Abram through Ishmael. Okay, then, uh, So Sarah and Abram have had Isaac, and we covered a little bit about that uh, about last week, and Isaac married Rebekah. Rebekah's brother is Laban. Okay. So that's, that, that, that's, that's how we're connected there. So we're connected to Laban there. We're going to reconnect with Laban in a, in a little bit. So uh, Isaac, this family is very interesting to me. So, and I don't know that, that, uh, that, that we would have chosen this family uh, if, if we were choosing. But, but we don't get to choose on this. I... The, there are so many cases of deceit in this family 
It, it, you know, just think about these with me just for a moment. Okay, so we have Abram, and we, t- we, talked, we talked about this last week when he was in Egypt. He said, you know what, let's, let's, tell, them, let's tell them you're my sister, Sarah, and not my wife. And then he did it again when he was back in, in the land of the Philistines and with Abimelech. He, he played the same game. Then Isaac, he comes along and he does the same thing to the same Abimelech. All right? And then uh, what, about, uh, what, about, what about Laban and, oh, well, we, we probably shouldn't forget this. So Rebecca and Isaac. So Rebecca was doing a little deceitful business as well, was she not? What, what did she do? Well, she led to one thing. What happened? What happened there? That's exactly right. Jacob and Esau. She she used Jacob to manipulate uh, manipulate Isaac and caused Esau to lose his birthright there. You know, and then look, Jacob wasn't innocent. All that he even went to getting you know goat hair on his arms to to make him look like he was a hairy manly man. Esau there. And then, let's go back. Now, so then Jacob wants to marry Rachel. We have another little deceit effect, right? So Laban tries to pawn off his old, the older daughter after making Jacob work for seven years for him, right? And, and I don't know how this happens, but Jacob didn't find out he married the wrong daughter to the next day after the, after the, the, the marriage was consummated. Like, oh, well, that's the wrong, the wrong girl. And so Laban then now convinces, said, okay, in a week I'll give you the, the, the daughter that you thought you were working for, but you got to work another seven years for him, right, for her. And so, so Jacob does that, and then you remember what happens. Then there, there's one more contract with Laban that, that happens, okay? Do you, do you remember that one? Yes, or the spots or something, the spotted one. So... Uh, Laban saw that while Jacob was tending the, tending the flocks that, that, that he was very prosperous, that, that God had blessed him in that. And so Jacob says, you know what, I'll work for you for six more years, but I get all the spotted sheep or the brown sheep or something. I don't remember exactly how, how that happened. But So Jacob, Jacob's flocks grew and God actually blessed Jacob beyond so that actually the, the spotted ones, which I think is the ones he had, grew more than the brown ones. And so it, it, all of the wealth then shifted from Laban to Jacob, God's chosen through there. Okay, We still have a little more deceit to go here, though. It, it continues to carry on. So Jacob has, has 12 sons, right? By the way, Laban is the, is the grandfather to eight of the 12 sons, if you think about that. So, so they, have, they have 12 sons, and 11 of them decide to deceive their father right, by convincing that that. that that uh, Joseph was dead, so they did that. And then they sold Joseph, they spared his life, and they sold Joseph to who? Who were they? Do you, do you remember? They were traitors. I didn't hear you said. They were Midianites, exactly right. The same Midianites that we were just talking about. They were Midianites, and they were going to Egypt. Okay, so that's how, that, that's how Joseph ends up in Egypt. And I'm, we won't go through all of the details of, of Joseph there. I, I think most of the Wednesday night crowd generally knows the story of Joseph because there's, a, there's a flannel grams over that, right? 
Right. Oh, I forgot to ask you, when we were covering the Hittites, the famous Hittites for 100, famous Hittites for 100, Alex? Come on. The most famous Hittite, Uriah the Hittite. Oh, yeah, that guy. Uriah was a Hittite. What's our time frame for that about? That's with David, so it would have been when? About 1,000, right? That's, that's what we'll say. So Uriah the Hittite uh, happens there. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, we still have more to see here. I, I, so when at the end of the six years, Jacob's concerned that Laban might change his mind and decide to keep his daughters. And so he sneaks out in the middle of the night, right? So he sneaks out and runs off. I don't know how you sneak out with, I don't know how many kids and stuff there, and they're all were, were it then. So he sneaks out and his wives took something from the house. Do you remember what it was? The household idols. Okay, does that bug anyone? Well, why did they have household idols? In fact, Laban chased them down and says, hey, you took my household idols. Here. And they said, no, we didn't, but they had. So I, I, I just, it's, there's stuff here I don't understand. I, I, again, I don't know that, that, that I would have picked this, this crew here. So anyway, uh, okay, we want to look here. I think we pretty well covered that. So Ishmaelites, we covered them. We covered Midianites. We've got Joseph here. Oh, I was going to tell you a little. I, I, I promised you that I would, uh, cover, I would cover the Dinah incident. That, that's actually what it's described in Genesis 34. It's the Dinah incident. Do you know the dynance? There was no flannel grams on this one, I'm pretty sure. Pretty sure. So Dinah here, they'd already moved south. They've, they've left. They're in Shechem. I can show you where that is on the map. In fact, it's on your little yellow maps. It's kind of their way. North and a little bit to the, to the west of, of, uh, of Jerusalem. So they were in Shechem. There's a group... The Hivites, so if you want to look at the, the, the Canaanites that were there, there was a Hivite there, prince of the county, Saul Dinah, and says, you know what, i got to have that. And so in the words of it, they, he took her and lay with her and violated her. That's the term that's used in Genesis 34. And Jacob heard about this, and he's like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bide my time until my sons come back from the, from the field. So the sons of Jacob came in from the field and heard it, and they were grieved and very angry because he had done this disgraceful thing. Well, Shechem, the son of Hamor, decided, he said, look, what can I do to make it? I've got to have this girl. What can I do to make it right? And so they thought for a moment, and they said, you know what? If you and all of your males are circumcised, yes, you can have them, and our daughters will marry your daughters and your daughter and and, and our sons will marry your daughters. And, you know, that was, that, that was their plan. In fact, their plan was more, Shechem's plan, was more than just acquiring this Dinah, okay? Will not their livestock, their property, and every animal of theirs be ours? So they saw this as a political move here, that they were willing to, as grown men, be circumcised there. Only let us consent to them and they will dwell with us okay so two brothers Levi 
And Simeon, right here, they were, uh, when, when they, they struck this deal, they, they did not intend to honor this deal. So they, they went on the third day, while it's described as the, the men of uh, Hamor were all in pain, and they killed them all. They killed them all. They took all of their possessions. They took everything with them, and they left. They plundered the city because their sister had been defiled. Anyway, they, uh, it may be more than just that, though. They knew that they were not supposed to marry the Canaanites. So, yes, Dinah was the catalyst to that, but the ask was, was too much. In fact, you know, uh, Jacob was worried about this. Oh, man, all the neighbors are going to talk about us, you know, for having done this thing. All right, that's in, that's in Genesis 34. But if you look in Genesis 35, Genesis 35, 5, and they journeyed, they, Jacob, and the terror of God was upon the cities that were all around them, and they did not pursue the sons of Jacob. So, in spite of all that, God's still taking care of them, and nobody messed with them. So, okay. All right, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip all of the, all of the Midianites and, and, and putting them in jail and, and shipping them off to, 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 uh, to Joseph to Egypt. And you know how he, he, he rose in power by interpreting dreams. And he was the number two man in the land, right? In fact, you know, he was, he was the, the viceroy. He was the, the, Joseph was the one who was actually making all the decisions on, the, on a day-to-day basis. So let's make no mistake. Who did Joseph work for? He worked for the, he worked, he lived for God. He worked for the Pharaoh. So I'll have to be a little bit of an accountant for you here. In Genesis 47, we're going to look a little bit about that. That's kind of a summary of a, we, we, we talked a lot about J, Joseph's life going through Genesis there. So in Bible Bowl, are they covering Dinah? I just was curious. I just realized they're doing Genesis in there. That would be interesting. Okay, so in Genesis 47, really, in fact, it, the, the caption on it is, is uh, Joseph deals with the famine. I know y'all are thinking about it now. So, <laughs> so Joseph, Joseph deals with the famine here. So Joseph is in control. He knew that, that he needed to stockpile grain. In fact, he built these big silos uh, where, where, they, where they stored all the grain during the, during the, the heavy years. In fact, Beneath some of the pyramids are these deep silos, and so some have suggested that perhaps, well, there, actually, there's a lot of discussion about whether Joseph was a man that the Egyptians called Emotep. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Emotep is, uh, uh, whether he is or isn't, he was like, it, the, the, the legendary Emotep was a, a second in command of one of the pharaohs. He uh, uh, was the father of medicine. I mean, he did some amazing things, again, on, on well, not on paper, but on, on papyrus. On, on papyrus, Emotep was a pretty amazing guy. And there's some people that says, yeah, maybe that was Joseph. And I don't know if it's, if it's true or not. But uh, so, so Joseph stockpiled all of this grain. And, and I want you to look for this from an accounting perspective here. Okay. So there was no bread in all the land, for the famine was very severe, so that the land of Egypt and the land of Canaan, all right, so 
pretend you pretend I saw the map up there. <clears throat> uh, languished because of the famine. And Joe, get this. And Joseph gathered up all of the money in the in the land of Egypt and the land of Canaan. So first first thing Joseph does, he takes everybody's money and sells he sells them grain. Okay, for the grain. And Joseph brought the money into Pharaoh's house. Then what did he do? They're still, <laughs> we're seven years. We've got seven years of this. Then everybody says, we don't have any money. And then Joseph says, give your livestock and I will give you bread for your livestock if the money is gone. So he's taking their money. Now he's taking their livestock. What else you got? Then Joseph bought all of the land of Egypt for Pharaoh. For every man of the Egyptians sold his field because the famine was severe upon them. So the land became the Pharaoh's. Okay. So Joseph's getting it done for his boss, right? He's got all the money. He's got all the livestock. Now he has all the land and the people. So then Joseph says, you know, indeed I bought you and your land this day for Pharaoh. Look, here's some seed. Go plant it. Go sow the land, and, and I will tax you 20%. So here we have a biblical example of what the maximum tax rate should be. It's not a progressive tax rate. It is a flat tax across the board, 20%. So, all right. Oh, I wrote Noah there. So Joseph's getting towards the end of his life here, and we're getting towards the end of Genesis and I'm going, to, I'm going to finish Genesis and I'm going to steal one chapter of, of Exodus. Okay. So Joseph lived for how long? He, 110 years. 100, that's, that's what we're told. 110 years. Now when Jacob, his father, died, Joseph said I, that my father would like to go back to, to Canaan to be buried. And so Joseph went and all of the Egyptian officials went. Okay, so just so you have some perspective of how Joseph was seen to the pharaohs there. So he goes back and buries his father. And when Joseph died, he was actually, again, if, if he was Imhotep, then, then he would have been mummified through that. And, you know, he very well could have been mummified in this process. Because it says that he was placed in a coffin in Egypt there. But he had a request. You all remember what that one it was? What was, what was Joseph's request? What was it? That's right. Don't leave me here. Because he knew. He knew of the promise that was to come. He said, don't, don't, don't leave me here uh, on there. So one, uh, I want you to look at Exodus 1.8. Now, I told you that there's really not a lot of scriptures that talk about the time while they're in, the, while they're in uh, captivity there. And I promised Roy he could pick up from uh, from Moses on. So he gets Exodus 2 on. He was worried about only having 40 years. So look at Exodus 1.8. Now remember what I just described to you that Joseph had accomplished in his time there. He had all the money, all the land, all the livestock, and all the people. He had accomplished all of those four things. And so we think he was actually before Pharaoh at about 30 years old. So from 30 to 110. So there's an 80-year period while, jo while Joseph is li alive and he accomplished, uh, accomplished this. So in Exodus 1.8, Now there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. How could you not know Joseph 
at this point in time. So they went to slavery. At the, we know that their total time in slavery was 215 years, right? And so this was probably towards the very end of it. Towards the end of it, I don't know. You know I don't know how many years they were in, in, in captivity from this king not knowing it. But probably the broadest case there, you know, it'd been maybe 200 years. I, I, I can't imagine it being more than 200 years. It, it might have been, but, you know, just, let's just, we'll just call it in, in, in 200 years from acquiring all this power, money, and, and, uh, and control there, they'd already forgotten who he was. Unless, unless they go back to the thing that I mentioned earlier, that uh, the proclivity that the Egyptians have of erasing history. So you have a new Pharaoh comes in, and, and he does not want to do anything to talk about how the previous Pharaoh with his right-hand man, Joseph, acquired all of this great wealth and value. So he wiped it away from there. That, look, that's, there's no scripture that says that. I just speculate. I do know, I do know that, that the Egyptians were, were prone to do such things. And, uh, and anyway, that's just, that's just my guess. So, okay. This, there, there's more to the world than just this right here. So I, I just wanted to kind of give you another little quick snapshot of what's going on in China. This was my reserve because I, 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 I'm not going to go five minutes over today, but this is my reserve here, so if, if there was time, I was going to cover it. So in China, the first dynasty that they recognized was the, and I can't pronounce Chinese very well, Xia, X-I-A, that, we'll call it that. That was the first dynasty. The beginning period of that dynasty, according to them, 1900 B.C. You know what, that fits very well with our timeline, doesn't it? So if... The, the Tower of Babylon, the Tower of Babel would have been about 2,300. About 400 years later, the, the dispersion could, could have happened and actually set up a, a dynasty there. Actually, there was, another, there was either another flood event or residual from the first flood, the big flood, that, that, that really started that. So one person, the, Mr. Shia, King Shia, whatever he was, he, he actually figured out how to drain some of the valleys there and actually made them... Uh, uh, able to operate and they said you know what you did such a good with that you're going to be the first dynasty you know they didn't say it exactly like that but so and that was about 200 years 1900 to 1700 the second dynasty comes in 1700 to oh I forget exactly what it is but but really so this is happening just before you know you you, you overlay these timelines here so if uh, uh, the exodus is going to happen about 1500 some people say 1491. The history of mysteries says 1491. And, and the other date that I had always heard, in fact, I didn't realize there were, there were conflicting dates, was 1446 for the, for the timing of the Exodus. And so it's going to be a, a, around, around that time. So this would have been happening at the same time concurrently in China, the second dynasty group that, that happens, a little longer period of time. And they learn how to farm something or ranch something. You know what it was? Silk. So that's what that dynasty was really known for. And why is that important here? Because silk was a tremendous commodity that traded along here. So the Silk Road, all right, so there was a tremendous amount of traffic that happened through there. And traders would go up there and retrieve silk and bring it back. 
through that, uh, through that time period. Now, China really was isolated, you know, and, and, and up until this, if you went to China, you did not come back. And it was because you died. It was just such a rough trip to get there. It's like, it's not worth it. We'll just stay. So, uh, you know, they're, they're separated by, uh, it's not on this map, but they're, they're separated by the Himalayas to the south. You can't get through there. There's only really a little gap through here right now, which actually is pretty per- pertinent today, right? If you, if you were to draw Afghanistan on here, it's going to be about, is it here? I'm kind of, I'm, I'm a little skewed. Uh, it's going to be over here, right? So you have Afghanistan right now, and one of the, one of the countries who's recognizing Afghanistan, the Taliban rulers, is China. Okay, but they're not after silk now. They're after the, the, the heavy metal, the precious metals that are, that are in the mountains there. But because without that, there's a, because there is a pathway that they can actually go from, from China can go down into Afghanistan. There are actually vehicle paths that way so anyway lots of things are lots of things are happening around also about this time remember I told you about Gomer and his group they were heading up into uh, into uh, England and Wales and northern and the Scandinavian countries are getting started really with, with that group so anyway lots of things are happening in there I promise I wasn't going to run late today so I'm going to stop right there I will do one thing. I will do, let's 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 have a prayer. I was so rushed last time. I didn't do that, but let's let's do that, and then uh, y'all can have Roy next week. Our heavenly Father, we are thankful for this time. We're thankful that uh, that you've given us the ability to see what you can see. Sometimes, uh, just a glimpse of that. We're thankful that that you sought to uh, have things written down for us so that uh, that that we can learn from you. We are. Uh, uh, amazed at your planning and amazed at your thinking. Father, we ask that you be with this congregation as we continue our path. We are sorrowed by the many losses that, that, we've, that we've felt in this past week, and we know that you have a purpose and you have a plan. Be, be with us as we go from this place and keep us safe. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.